Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Family Times Podcast. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, but we're back with you, and uh, we have a little bit different uh, table today. Of course, as always, we have our good friend Matt Sells, and uh, give us a pinch hit for the for the last time while we have Fensty is uh, taking care of some family matters. Is our own babyface James Grande. So let's take a look, guys. How are you, Matt? What's going on? Uh, you've got a lot going on. Everybody's got a lot going on. How are yeah. you? Uh, I'm good. I probably won't be on the pod next week because I'll be moving next week into uh, our house. So that's kind of nuts to do like right before NFL season. That's always fun. Um, but yeah, there's kind of a lot of we, we had people going on vacation. We had some uh, you went to the Fantasy Football Expo last week. Um, so yeah, just and obviously uh, congrats to the Fenstermans on their new edition, so he's been off for a couple of weeks, uh, getting used to fatherhood. So, yeah, it's kind of a revolving uh, table going on here this week. And uh, not only you, but uh, also moved recently, James Grande. Uh, appreciate you jumping on for us. Uh, you, you give us a little uh, guest spot for uh, for fantasy. Of course. Um, and congrats, Matt, on the house. And congrats to Fancy. Some are listening, probably critiquing every single word that we all speak. And uh, also, Ryan, I just want to point out, I'm going to turn my camera on, not that everyone can see. Babyface, look at this. Look at this. Oh. Look, at this look at this beard going on. Here. I, I want to tell everybody that looks like uh, a 14 year old who, who's just been letting <laughs> his, his first beard. The camera's yeah. back off. The camera's back off. It's very patchy. It's uh, it looks it looks like that's been growing for about six eight months. Wow, I've uh, got a little porn stash going and very patchy beard. So congratulations, sir, on your first pubic hairs. <laughs> I, I but we we are less than three weeks until the NFL season, so you know what that means. This is like hot and heavy draft time. Uh, so that's what everybody's doing. We've been doing slow drafts forever, but you know. I know some people have been doing, you know, their, their regular drafts, but this is when it really starts to pick up. So I don't think there's any better topic that we can come up with than, than some draft strategy. And we'll talk about some stuff we're seeing on, on Twitter, which is always just a fantastic place to be. Uh, I just find myself less and less on it all the time. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. People, I, I hope it when games start that it starts to get more normal. Uh, because this has been a very long off season of people who are on it too much with too much time on their hand, just saying anything that comes out of their mouth. Yeah. It seems like people are just follower hunting or trying to go viral one tweet uh, at a time because some of the stupidity that has come out of uh, some colleagues in this fantasy football industry of ours is just baffling. It's just remarkably baffling to see some of these uh takes so we're gonna we're gonna spend some time here talking about the phrase league winners because there's been a lot of talk about the a few key running backs who everybody seems to be off of now because they only finished in the top five of running back standings the last like two years so don't want to draft those guys because they're not league winners my my thought i always had a different kind of thought on that term and again i i think it's morphing or our people are making it what they want it to be a league winner for me is always someone you kind of picked up like november ish and went on a hot streak that you rode to a championship uh, i never really took it as a term of someone you drafted in you know before the season started and they just had a really good year so i i don't know if, if people are using terminology different but grande i don't know what your your 
philosophy is on, on league winners or, or drafts. How are you, let's let's talk real quick. I mean, do you have when you go into a draft, do you have a specific plan? Do you have like the zero RB or the heavy RB or or you know balance team or do you have? Do you let things happen just in fall to you or do you generally go into it with some sort of plan? I mean, I've had a strategy throughout, and it's similar to I guess. Rick and Colton's smart system where they like to draft three running backs in the first four rounds. And that's generally been my strategy. I've also adopted the late round QB. I think all that's out of the window this year um, because I think running back obviously drops off a cliff. And I think that's pretty, you know, the standard across everyone. Like that's just the standard thought process. Um, So really this year uh, I've thrown every draft strategy I've had in recent years out of the window and I'm really taking best player available. But I'm also hoping, you know, that leads me to, like, I still want two running backs early. Um, but I'm okay if it's one, um, as long as I do have that workhorse to hold it down. And then from there, just let the board come to me. I think quarterback is really strong. As a late-run QB truther, I'm all aboard the early QB um, train this year because I think there's about seven guys – uh, with QB one upside, that can that you know classify full circle back to league winning quarterback. So um, all my my past strategies are completely out of the window. I'm really just picking best player available um, with an with a running back anchor, hopefully, um, and an early round quarterback. And then you know that's that's really where I've been most of my drafts this year. So I guess for me, it comes down to how are we defining quote-unquote league winners, right? Because to me, one player does not win you the league, right? Can you lose your league by screwing up a first-round pick? It's possible. Can you win your league by that strategy? Not necessarily, right? It all depends on how the season plays out. So to me, getting league-winning players are getting players – you can, to paraphrase our good friend here, Bob Long, um, you can count on every week. The goal of fantasy football is to put up the most points possible every week of the season and have the ability to do that, regardless of who gets injured by week's schedule, right? So to me, I'm looking for guys who have very good floors, and yeah, can they reach upside? Sure. But to hear a lot of people, you know, in the industry go, well, Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry aren't league winning running backs because they only have a floor of RB5 and they only have a ceiling of RB3. Okay, but to me, that means you can count on them. You never have to worry about those guys, right? To hear people go, well, I want Saquon Barkley because he can be a league winner. If he plays every week, right. sure. Um, but it depends on what you surround him with. If you draft Saquon Barkley and then you take, let's say, I don't know, Clyde edwards Alaire in the second round. If you have trash wide receivers, those two guys aren't going to win you a league. So to me, focusing so much attention on grabbing a definite defined league winner in the first round of the draft is not the strategy to go with. It's just, it's just not. How many first round guys got injured last year? A lot. But also, like to your point, Matt, 
sorry, Ryan, if you had something to build on there, but like, why aren't those two league winners? We talk about volume, right? In every in every quarterback volume, we talk about running back volume, we talk about volume across the board. We talk about targets, we talk about carries, we talk about attempts. If Derrick Henry is rushing the ball 350 times, and if Nick Chubb is rushing the ball 300 times, as efficient as they have been each and every year, as the 27-year-old Derrick Henry has been, as the 25-year-old Nick Chubb has been, then why do they need to catch 50 passes if they're still getting the volume and are being efficient? I don't, I don't, I guess that's where I'm getting lost in the argument of defining league winners as people who they won't be because they won't catch passes. Well, they're getting volume, regardless whether if it's through the air or it's on the ground. They're as efficient as a pass catching back with half the carries and and double the receptions um, because they rush the ball for nearly six yards a carry. Um, so, to me, those two classify league winners because on my teams that are winning and on your guys' teams that are winning. We're playing guys that are touching the ball a lot. And those two specifically do more than uh, most other players in the league. So the thing that really gets me about Chubb uh, is there was a well, Kareem Hunt there. Kareem Hunt's been there. Like, it's, it doesn't years. make a difference. Yeah, yep. it's not like he just showed up now. So let's see, 2019, he still had almost 300 carries. Last year, of course, he missed a few games, had, but still ended up with a, over 1,000 yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. So and it's by like, the way, Chubb was RB8 in PPR formats last year, playing three quarters of a season. Yeah, I mean, the guy, like like Grande said, it's just volume, 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 and, and Henry's the same way. And you know what these guys do more than some of these other backs is score touchdowns. And I'm right. sorry, that's where the bread is buttered in fantasy football is touchdowns. Right. And that is where you have to try to get the guy who does the most. Why is Christian McCaffrey still number one a year after he missed almost the entire season? Because the <laughs> dude could score 20 touchdowns, and that's where it is. So that's, to me, why Chubb is where he is. Uh, and, you know, they, some of these pass-catching backs, okay, Alvin Kamara, great. He catches 80 passes a year. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback, which we still don't know, he didn't get used at all for those few games, you know? He was barely the starter. So what if Taysom Hill is the starter? I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe it does. Uh, you know, can't be all that sure that they're not going to kind of switch back and forth this year. So right. I think that's a huge question mark for Kamara coming Also, Taysom Hill, even if he doesn't start, could be a goal line back. Yep. They've used yeah. him that way. He could take carries in the goal line away from Kamara, and then your touchdown volume goes away. I'm not, I don't think I'm worried that much about – Taysom Hill taking Kamara's volume, especially if they end up cutting Latavius Murray. Um, Agreed. I'm just saying it's a a possibility. It's a possibility, but even with Taysom playing a handful of games last year, we saw Kamara score 20. Yes, he scored one-third of those touchdowns in one game last year, sure, but he had 20-21 scores. So, like, I... Six of them came in one game, though. Right, right. I know it still happened, but, I mean... he is a he is one of those players that gets you three or four scores like multiple times a year. I'm just saying like I do agree, Ryan. I think that they're gonna flop because we've seen Jameis if he starts and is turnover prone. I mean, they're I gonna the bigger, they're gonna make this. 
I think the bigger issue for Kamara isn't the quarterback, but it's the lack of Michael Thomas. The, 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 whole, the whole team's going to struggle to move the ball. There's nobody, the there's nobody to that you are all that concerned about on the outside, right? Because now you don't even have Emmanuel Sanders, not like he was a threat, but still a quality receiver. You don't have anybody on the outside. You can double Adam Troutman at tight end, who's still unproven. And then you can just stick nine in the box to stop Kamara and say, hey, Jameis, go beat us with nobody. Or, hey, Taysom, go beat us with nobody. You don't need that double Adam Troutman. Yeah, right. just saying you could <laughs> nine in the box and stop Kamara. So, yeah, that's, all of these people that are just naming these names that are usually at the top of the running back list and not paying attention to the – um, the the situations there, like Barkley could miss the first two or three weeks of the season, right? We've heard that from the Giants, that they're going to take it slow. They're pretty sure he's not going to be ready for week one, at least. Zeke is coming off a down year, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. expect him to be back and fine, whatever. McCaffrey was injured twice last year. So it's not like, and by the way, th- these people that are going, oh, I'd rather take, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Joe Mixon ahead of Nick Chubb, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. You're just a moron. Joe Mixon is a disappointment every year <laughs> behind a terrible offensive line. You know the offensive line you blame for injuring Joe Burrow is now somehow supposed to clear way for Joe Mixon? I don't they like proved so. it, Matt. They took Panay Su- Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was usurped by... Le'Veon Bell, who didn't even want to be there, and now may be usurped by Jarek McKinnon based on some camp reports we're hearing. So wh- how are you going with guys in timeshares behind bad offensive lines in passing offenses instead of Nick Chubb behind a pretty good offensive line in a run-first offense? Doesn't I'll never matter. understand the love for Mixon. It's just like, how many more years does he have to disappoint you? Like every year he disappoints, and all right, I'm like, all right, this is the year. They're going to stop. Nope. I guess everybody forgets sometime over the, the winter when, you know, <laughs> I guess not everyone lives in the Northeast, so it's cold. But, you know, you come out, come out in the spring, like, oh, Joe Mixon. I'm like, didn't you see this last year? Every year. And then last year, what? They thought he was going to be out two weeks, and what he missed, like the last eight? Like, I don't know how many more times this guy has to disappoint you before you finally figure it out. But, uh, and the other one that we were talking about before, Derrick Henry, I, I just don't understand. The guy, okay, do a lot of people have back-to-back 300 carry seasons? No. This guy is built like a linebacker. It's not <laughs> yep. like, he, you know, he's not this little guy. He's not Austin Eckler getting 300 carries. He, the People don't want to tackle him. Every year you see him get to the second level, and you can see the cornerbacks deciding if they really want to tackle him or not. <laughs> And it's just, it's just a special kind of guy. And if he doesn't catch a lot of passes, he doesn't need to. He has scored 45 touchdowns in the last three years. 45 in three years. That's averaging 15 rushing touchdowns. And only going up. It's 12, 16, and 17 last year. He's not going to do 2,000 yards again. But the guy is going to be the offense. And you know what else is really good? They brought in Julio Jones, and now the defense has to pay more attention to the pass game. So you can't put eight guys in the box against Tennessee because the pass game is going to be a little bit better. As much as I'm not a huge Julio Jones fan, I can't argue that he's he's a weapon that defenses have to pay attention to. So if anything, this improved passing game will maybe get uh, Henry a few less carries, and maybe this yards per carry, might, which is 5.4 last year, so it's amazing to think – it might go up. 
but he, the guy is just he's just a different he's a special guy he's just like something that we don't see very often and i don't think you can compare him to to other people yeah and i think it's worth noting when like we talk about derrick henry and we talk about workload and stuff and oh there's no way he can you know sustain this for a long period of time well his first two years in the nfl he really didn't take much of a beating uh, 100 carries, 175 carries in the first two years. Still 27 years old. I mean, why can't this guy get another 350 carries? He's also he's healthy. Like, right, and he's huge. So, like, why is the workload going to drastically decrease enough where we suddenly are taking guys? Hey, I got a question, all right? I'm gonna, I'll, I'll just rapid fire this. Who finishes with more fantasy points? Saquon Barkley or Derek Jones? Derek Henry? I mean, Derek. I was looking at his name. Derek Henry <laughs> or Saquon Barkley? I don't think any question is Henry. Uh, Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley? I'll say Chubb. I'll go Chubb. Agreed on both. Aaron Jones, Derek Henry. I think Derek Henry. I'd go Henry because Jones needs the touchdown volume to. Chubb versus Jones. That's a pretty close one for me, but I'd probably go Chubb. Yeah, that's a close one for me. I'm just looking at, like, that next tier of, you know, because I would take Nick Chubb ahead of all of them if, again, if we're getting 16 games in Nick Chubb, there's no reason to think he's not approaching three – or 17 games in Nick Chubb. There's no reason to think he's not surpassing 300 carries, right, or right around that 300 carry mark. And we've seen the last two years – actually his whole career with an elite offensive line he's averaging over five yards per carry i don't see i think nick chubb i'm kind of with howard in terms of like i think nick chubb is a top five option um even if he only catches 20 passes because i think he's that good and that efficient so i just wanted to rapid fire like that next year who who you guys um would go with but i do think jones chubb was probably the closest of that uh yeah that- all right, a couple more that I want to talk about before we uh, before we wrap this up. But I was going to talk about Mixon. We talked about him. We talked about Edward Solaire. Uh I saw something come out the other day that the, uh, Antonio Gibson was going to be kind of moved into that Christian McCaffrey-type role in the offense. And then I looked, and it was Kyle Allen who said it, the third-string quarterback. Uh, I've seen a lot of things that people are like, and I like Gibson, but they're like vaulting him up based on this information and I didn't know all of a sudden, like, when we heard the third-string quarterback, uh, the guy who, you know, is inactive every week, uh, all of a sudden, when he says something, we get really excited about it. Well, you know, it's technically a team source, right? <laughs> and to be fair, he did start some last year. I mean, everybody started at quarterback for I was Washington. Say, everybody did. <laughs> um, including the guy that nearly, well, did bring him to the playoffs as now an analyst for ESPN. So, um I mean, I like Antonio Gibson. I don't think he's an RB1, but I do like Antonio Gibson. Um, That offense, I think, is going to be pretty solid. We've seen Ron Rivera have solid rushing attacks in his time at Carolina. Um, I think it's a way to control the ball and, frankly, to keep uh, Fitzmagic from having so many errors that he is prone to have. Um, So I do like him. I'd take him as an RB2. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think it's interesting that it's not like it's a coach that said it or his offensive coordinator 
or whatever, but the third string QB goes, yeah, we're probably going to move that guy into a more pass-catching role. And that's what vaults him up. I mean, like, isn't that the untapped part of Antonio Gibson, though? Like, mm-hmm. he was a receiver. Like, we're, he's yeah. developing as a running back. Nearly average five yards per carry. But he is, like... I mean, I don't want to say he's a pass catcher first, but that's what he's been his whole that's what he's been his whole career. So like if JD McKissick takes a step back, which obviously should happen, there's no way he should get hundred targets again. But if there is a step back and we see Antonio Gibson take the next step in terms of volume through the air, I'm not gonna put it past him to be an RB1. I, I really wouldn't, because if if he continues to develop on the ground develop on the ground and, and Helen, you brought it up earlier. I mean, he scored 11 touchdowns. Yeah. Is there, yeah. is there obvious potential regression there? Yeah, sure. Um, they're not going to be so heavy, heavily reliant upon, um, you know, dink and dunk this year, but well, and, and, yes and, no, I mean, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick isn't like, well, they're going he to take, he takes more shots, right? They're going to be way yeah. more, they're going to be way more risky. I think in the red zone than they would just turn around, hand the ball off to Antonio Gibson. Like they well, were last year. the emergence of Logan Thomas. You know, right. Um, right. So is there definitely, there's definitely potential touchdown regression with Gibson, but I also think where there is regression, there is progression um, in the receiving game. So I do think uh, Gibson does have RB one upside. I'm not, I don't think he's one of the like guys that I could see being overall RB one, but I do think that there's uh, untapped potential there for Gibson, and uh, I do think uh, it doesn't matter what the third string quarterback says about him or not. So, last guy I want to bring up is we talked about Derrick Henry and how crazy big he is. Another guy who's getting all kinds of love <laughs> and is really small is Austin Eckler. I was just looking at our ADP page. He's sitting at twelfth overall. Uh, I can't get involved. I can't. I can't get on that at all. Uh, <laughs> he's had difficulty staying healthy. Obviously, I don't think he is all you know locked in set as as the as the guy who's going to get the most carries. Yeah, he caught ninety two passes in twenty nineteen. That's really really impressive as a running back. Uh, just the the his ADP is just far too much for me. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about him, Matt. Why don't you give us a good start? Yeah, I'll I'll agree there. I I don't like that. Now let me put it this way: in PPR formats, I do like Eckler. I don't like him at that ADP, not one bit, because there's no shot he outproduces that ADP. Uh, he's also had nagging hamstring issues like three of the last four years. Um, adding an extra game probably ups the risk of another nagging thing costing him time. Um, also, you know, we're not entirely sure how their rookie, um, wideout they drafted is going to factor into things in terms of targets. Um, you still kind of have, um, what Josh Kelly is back there, right? In the backfield. Yep. Um, still have him who, you know, yeah, did disappoint last year, but let's face it. He was a rookie, not highly drafted. You know, did we really think he was going to be the. The standout dude? I don't think so. So, in a PPR format, he does get the volume, but drafting him as an RB1 is just way too risky. I think I'm on the complete opposite fence here um, because 
I, I and I explained this to Matt like a couple weeks ago when we were talking about like volume and all Austin Eckler needs to do to get 200 carries, right? If he were to play 17 games, let's just hypothetically say, because we don't want to predict injury. Um, right. So let's just say he plays 17 games. He needs 12 carries per game to do that. And Hal, you brought up a great point, right? 92 receptions in 2019. You know who was still around in 2019? Melvin Gordon was still around in 2019. And Austin Eckler still had 108 targets and 92 receptions. Melvin Gordon's not there. And yes, Josh Kelly is there. And Justin Jackson is healthy. And I've actually, I am a Justin Jackson fan. I think Justin Jackson is awesome. And, but he's another guy who has not been able to stay healthy. Um, and when he does, he produces but Eckler and the volume to, or, you know, the chance to see 20 touches per game is there. I think this Chargers offense is one of the most um, prolific in the league. They address the offensive line in the first round of the draft with arguably one of the best um, tackle prospects in, in we've seen in years. Um, I love Austin Eckler, and I do think he's one of the people that can outproduce this ADP um currently what are what did you say helen rb12 yeah uh no 12th overall so 12th like probably... overall he's rb6 I, so i see rb6 so like i if you were to tell me austin eckler stays healthy all year um and does average like 12 carries per game which i don't think is crazy right 12 carries per game he needs to literally have three carries per three carries per quarter for austin eckler to to hit that mark um i mean this is a guy who could touch the ball 300 times and 100 of those touches are automatically one plus points uh because 100 of them could be reception so i do think there is top five upside i think there's top three upside um in ppr formats yeah listen look it you're telling okay i'm this is a i want honest answer if austin eckler touches the ball 300 times in 2021 he does not have a chance to be a top three running back in in ppr formats 300 I, touches i, I so guess i guess I, was, it's I don't hinge on the touchdown production because if he touches it 300 times and puts up let's say 1500 total yards with like four touchdowns then he's not out producing chubb he's not out producing mccaffrey he's not out producing cook he's not out producing henry He's not outproducing Zeke. I mean, I think it depends because if it's if it's hundred receptions, then he probably does outproduce a few of those guys if he's not scoring. Maybe, but like a touchdown is. I'm not saying he's going to be a top three running back. I definitely think it's in the the range of outcomes if he stays healthy. That's all I'll say. He needs to stay healthy, which you guys are right. It's obvious. He's a little guy. Injuries happen more frequently to little people. Um, but if he's catching a hundred passes and just carrying the ball 12 times a game, giving him 300 touches in this offense, which I think all three of us agree has a chance to be really special. Um, I I mean, who's to say he's not a top three running back if he has that many, that many touches volume is King. I always come back to it. Volume is King. Let's see if he can stay healthy first. My, I guess my issue is your, your, your argument is for things that he's never done before. Uh, he's never had more than 132 carries, and now you have him up to 200. Well, I'm saying, catches. 
it's, so, it's like, more like hypothetical, right? Because he okay. never also been the the lead back. I mean, he had 115. Well, he was supposed last to be last year. Well, right, 115 in 10 games. So what on average, right? It, go ahead. It's 11. It's 11.6 per. So 11.6. So it essentially puts him at that mark, right? Like we're if we're basing off the same role as last year, where he comes in checking in as the team starting running back. Um, right. I mean, it's, it's close. I guess that's just going off his average from last year, going off his projected role for this year. And if, if, if big, if he were to stay healthy over a 17 game season. Right. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll go with, with Hallam here though, in 10 games last year, again, wasn't healthy, but was the lead back for those 10 games. He touched it basically 150, 160 combined times between catches and rushes and put up less than a thousand combined yards and three total touchdowns. So while he's getting volume, he needs production. He can't just touch it 300 times and put up 1100 yards. I mean, like, 90 yards per game. Is that through? I mean, yes, through that's combined, but like, you know, right. If he stays healthy, the yards are there, but does he get into the, cause again, Derek Henry is going to put up 15 rushing <laughs> touchdowns, right? If Eckler puts up, let's say, five combined touchdowns, that's 60 extra points Henry gets to make up for the lack of catches, and he's probably going to outproduce him in total yards. So for me, the volume is there. You do make the case the volume can be there if he can stay healthy. But it's what he does with that volume. Is he a dink and dunk runner? Is he a, like, you know, I'm just... I'm just saying the path to the upside is there, but that's why they call it upside. It's because it's not proven yet. And that's what I'm hesitant on on Eckler is because, like, he's got nine total rushing touchdowns in his 400 career rushes. Here's what I'll say uh, about your potential and and, and this and that. I mean, hypothetically, if I go to the Playboy mention, I might get laid. (laughs) I might get laid, but we've all know that's probably not going to happen. Probably. So. I mean, hypothetically, that, Mike Trout was on pace for a 40-30 season at one point, and then he got injured. Prob, pro, yes. Rock, I just, I can't get past the probably. Well, I just, I'm stuck there. <laughs> so we'll sorry, Matt. I, you know, we'll I love Mike Trout. <laughs> All right, so I think we've pretty much hit a pretty good number of the first round running backs. So let's uh, let's end the show as we do with the family times. I am going to be an ass host, and I'm going to take it all over myself uh, because I was part of something very special last weekend that I want to you know talk to you two about and everyone out there. When that was the Fantasy Football Expo out at the Football Hall of Fame, uh, it was one of the better times I've had in a very long time. Uh, so follow on Twitter, the FF Expo, and please try to make uh, arrangements to go next year. Uh, it was just so good to like be around so many like-minded people, to meet you know all these folks that we argue with and talk with and are friends with and enemies with on Twitter, to all get together. Uh, we all had some drinks. We did some drafts, you know, went to the Hall of Fame. Uh, there was an awesome party outside. It was just Bob Lung just did a fantastic job putting it together. And then the expo itself at the end, you know, it was open to the public and people come in and, and talk to us. We had a booth. I was there with Colby Conway. We drank some beers. We had a good time. 
but absolutely, the, the Fantasy Football Expo is, is an event that the fantasy football community needs. Uh, and more people should go to it. I'll promote it as much as I possibly can uh, for, for more people. I know, you know some people probably didn't go this year because of the pandemic, um, but hopefully in 2022, things will be in better shape and, and more people get out there. And I'm going to try to drag as much of the family out there as I possibly can. What did you think of the uh, way they do the expert draft there, where they have the same people in two separate drafts, one's an auction and one's a snake? Yep, I sat in one room, because there's two different rooms, there's two different divisions, uh, so I was in one room, I was a sticker bitch uh, all day, so my feet were, feet were killing me by the end of the day. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's all right. It's, it's, uh, I know how it, when it started, you know, that, that's how they did it. And, and I talked to Bob, I was asking if he was expanding or things like that. And it doesn't seem like that's necessarily in the plans. Uh, you know, I, it, it's his event. That, that's how he decided to do it. I, you know, in the beginning, the first year, there's only 75 people. So I assume he probably kind of got who he could um, to come out there. But I have a feeling this thing is going to just is gonna explode. There was over 500 people there this time. So it's like quadrupled in size in three years. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, maybe they change things up as this gets more popular and more people can come out there and, and more people travel again and things like that. So, uh, like I said, it was, it was just a really fun time. Uh, it was a seven and a half hour drive, which wasn't too, too bad. Pennsylvania is a long, boring state. I will say yes. well, the worst, uh, the worst roads it's too. Terrible the roads are horrible in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I was, that's the majority of my trips. I was out of New York probably within an hour and, and Canton isn't that far into Ohio. So most of the seven and a half hours was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I do not uh, recommend Pennsylvania or Virginia for when I drove to Myrtle Beach. So stay out of Pennsylvania and Virginia uh, to anyone who's I out there. I can attest to the Virginia. Uh, the parking lot, the entire state. I hate yep. it. Yep. Having Ryan, grown up Ryan, there, I attest to that. Ryan, who are the enemies? Call them out right before we get off. Uh, I'm not doing that. I'm Call them out right now yep. at their Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I had I don't have I don't think I have very many enemies myself. I try to just ignore people that I need to ignore, which I did. I did there for the people that I needed to ignore. Uh, but it was it really was cool to just like sit there and just be there with you know be with people who are just as degenerate as we are uh, to just sit and talk football. So that was uh it was it was really just a lot of fun. So I really hope that that more people get out there. It's not expensive. Um, you know, it gets you a pretty decent hotel rate. And everything in Canton was like pretty close. It was like two exits to the like everything was within ten minutes. The party we could walk to, so you know you could drink as many beers as you wanted. Uh, it's just it's just a very well put together organized event, and it just went off without a hitch. And the only bad thing was the first night the bar, the hotel bar was not equipped for the crowd. That was about there was like three people. One guy was like seventy five, and there was like a hundred and fifty of us, and they were not prepared for for that many people. But it was still a good time getting together and taking pictures and, and hanging out with everybody. Make sure so, you call the, call the staff and uh, let them know who needs to be working next year and who, who shouldn't be. It was really funny. I saw some, some tweet like, as much as we enjoyed the Fantasy Football Expo, we can all admit bartender, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember what the guy's <laughs> name was. was. Was sucked or something. I was like, I know who he's talking about because that guy was <laughs> terrible. But, and uh, the beer selection wasn't great. We liked it. It was like, what do you have on tap at IPA? And he's like, I got one. I was like, all right, well, whatever it is, give it to me then. It doesn't matter. <laughs> So, uh, look forward to hopefully maybe a couple of you guys coming out. Uh, anyone listening, please uh, try to work that into your plan. Second weekend in August, make your way out of Canton. It's just yeah, the Hall of Fame was great in itself, uh, worth the trip. But uh, the expo is a lot of fun. So, 
let's uh, let's call it a day here. Uh, thank you all for joining us, uh, Grande. Appreciate the pinch hit here. I think we have Fenty back next week. So uh, when Matt or I need some time off, I'm sure we'll be getting you a buzz. But uh, thank hey, you for, you uh, for see you next oh, week. That's right, Sells. <laughs> you're probably not going to be here next week. So probably moving. not. I am off the grid from Wednesday to Sunday as I have to move everything. Forget what I said. Then Grande, we'll see you next week. And to you, everyone out there, enjoy your week uh, and be sure to come back next week for the family times. I'm not going to do the whole big ramble that Fancy does every week because I don't have it memorized, but just win with the family like we always do.